0: welcome to online i'm jenny rob um today we continue our series featuring frank giampolo um a best selling author um award winning international coach uh, a leader of our industry especially um when it comes to helping parents educating parents and and uh the dynamic between the player and the parent and the coach. Um, so thank (laughs) Frank, thank you, uh, for being here. Um, today we're gonna talk about chapter nine, very excited about chapter nine. Um, the title is frustration tolerance. And your quote is a better mindset cultivates better results. So, We were talking a bit before about how this chapter um, is kind of quick and to the point. It's concise, but yet so, so important um, in the big scheme of things, uh, tennis and life. So, um, Frank, yeah, let's talk a little bit about frustration tolerance.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks. Thank you for... (laughs) <laughs> for everything, Jenny. First of all, and, and thanks everybody that are that is clicking in to listen to these things. But frustration really stems from uh, your athlete's inability to stay focused in the moment, right? So they, and it's, it's present moment awareness that's so important. And mm-hmm. when athletes are upset about past issues, whether it's a past mistake or confusion with the score, a line call, even when they're upset about the past that really brings on the frustration yes and then on the other side you know when they're anxious about the future and they're per that they, they kind of leave their performance frame of mind and they have an that's athlete right. frame of mind right that typical worry really makes it very frustrating for athletes so they're not just controlling the ball they're controlling their wandering mind that's right and it's so That's going to really help. We're going to cover that a lot, I think, in this chapter, but yes, that's the concept.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, The first section is Mm. called understanding frustration. Um, You say frustration is a negative emotion that stands in the way of many athletes' outcome goals. It is a recurring feeling of annoyance stemming from the inability to solve problems. Ideally, tennis problems that arise in the heat of battle should have preset solutions. Mm. Um, again, that gets straight to the point, and it's such an important point <laughs> We all have yeah. we all get frustrated <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean everybody you know so so these are um you know, I love that we start with just understanding what understanding what it is um yeah.
1: Right
0: on. So so understanding frustration, um, you go on to say the ability to deal with frustration is known as frustration tolerance. Um, A low frustration tolerance doesn't have to be permanent. And I think that's really important um, because you you made the point that if someone um, is easily frustrated for for whatever the trigger may be, you can rewire that. It doesn't mean that that player or parent um, or coach for that matter, it doesn't mean that you have to stay that way. This is something that you can train. And that's so important. Um, So let's see. Yeah. You say a low frustration tolerance doesn't have to be permanent. Um, So, so talk a little bit about how, if someone comes to you and they have a very low, uh, frustration tolerance, um, how do you start to retrain that thinking?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, uh, to me, I would start with trying to identify what are their reoccurring nightmares, which is what is frustrating them week in, week out of tournaments. Right. So, I would have athletes start even before my first session with sending me match notes and we used to call them match logs back in the day, but this is where they just, after every match of the tournament, right? They write down three things. They did well, three things that they didn't do well. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they played three or four matches in the weekend main draw second draw so three or four matches so they have like three or four different notes and they're going to text that to me or whoever their mental coach is right Mm -hmm. and uh then we start to work on like presetting their software solutions Mm -hmm. and so obviously we know that tennis coaches on court are really trying hard to preset habits with stroke production cleaner stroke habits Mm -hmm. But winning or losing in matches often stems from the software. Mm-hmm. And so, if there are reoccurring issues, like some people, for example, some athletes, they have issues with different scoring systems, or
0: right.
1: I can't play pushers, or <laughs> I don't like playing at eight in the morning, or. <laughs> and then, you know, it's all about exposure, not avoidance, to whatever's frustrating them. And then. Yes that's key we want to make sure we're actually
0: tackling that
1: instead of avoiding it
0: yeah i can't remember which chapter it was but i think that's the title of one of the chapters you know you know not avoidance but exposure um and then so so like you said identifying um what is that that frustration trigger um you say intermediate athletes with low frustration tolerance may give up on challenging tasks quickly the mere thought of everything not going their way may feel unbearable they may get angry lose control or avoid tough tasks altogether low frustration tolerance can take a severe toll on their long-term outcome goals and relationships (laughs) that's good stuff yeah
1: (laughs) and that's a big statement too and uh because we are trying to teach the athletes life skills, right? Mm-hmm. And communication skills. Cause that's what's going to help them play college ball. Mm-hmm. Um a big key to college coaches actually giving them a scholarship is based on life skills. That's it's right. not just who can hit a tops and backhand, right? Right. <laughs> right. Kids that have great tops and backhands but but are jerks, they don't they don't get the <laughs> gig,
0: right? So right. That's life skills is big. Um, It's the whole package, right? I mean, you're not, it kind
1: of is. And that's kind of not
0: just selling your your forehand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And parents, look, this is your job description. When parents want to be involved and they should be involved, they deserve Mm -hmm. to be involved, but they have to know what their job is. And and their job is not typically to teach, you know, slice backhands and kick serves. Their job is to teach life skills, it's
0: way more important. Right, right. Um, in in the solution of this section, you say parents should ask their athletes to peek into the future at all the winnable matches they will likely lose with this poor behavior. <laughs> that's great. Again, just just laying it out there uh, it. and and meeting a challenge head on. Um, and that's a scary spot, um, but incredibly it's necessary. <laughs>
1: Isn't (laughs) it funny that parents, you you know this, but when you have kids, they're born with certain personality profiles, right? Mm -hmm. Some are very patient. Some are impatient, Some have great frustration tolerance Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and some are just natural born worriers. If it's just, you know, if the wind blows a little bit wrong, they start getting upset.
0: Right. Right. So we
1: got to identify that. And I think it's always wise to ask your athlete to, I guess problem solve for themselves, be accountable. So, Google these topics, Google anything that they feel is difficult. You can Google frustration tolerance, and there's even on YouTube, there's just a thousand different <laughs> people teaching how to handle frustration. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, right. And you, so, you know, some are great and some are kind of wacky, but that's sure. the fun of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, You go on in this this solution of this section to say, as players progress, they'll be competing against better opponents, meeting better hitting partners, better doubles partners, different coaches, and college teammates, and the low frustration tolerance levels will affect these relationships, if not stop them before they even begin. And you go on to say, uh, in the eyes of a college tennis coach, this poor behavior is a major red flag that stops the recruiting process dead in its tracks. And so that's just a great wrap-up right there. Um, yeah. It,
1: it, isn't it, it's contagious, isn't it? When if, if you look at a team atmosphere, mm-hmm. if somebody has that kind of low frustration, tolerance, and they're getting pissed off about every little thing, uh that affects everybody around them right
0: mhm mm-hmm. um, anyway i mean i i, I remember a, a doubles partner um a mixed doubles partner that i had and um great player we played well together our our playing styles really meshed we do kind of each other's uh tendencies and and uh, but he would get so down on himself not Um, down on me but down on himself and hard on himself and kind of stomp around a little bit and it made me so uncomfortable and now our energy is not in sync at all you know and and i'm kind of walking on eggshells a little bit i don't you know (laughs) It 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 is hard. So so, especially you know the dynamics between doubles partners or players and coaches or players and teammates. Um, that frustration <laughs> level, it, it 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 it's part of your identity as a person. Yep. as a player. You know if yep. you get, oh, that guy. He gets so mad. You know if you can get him cranked up, you're good. Kind of a. <clears throat> right. It, it, and it, isn't
1: it? isn't it true too that we we see this often parents and and athletes say we need to get more up matches or better matches and those stronger competitors are not going to play with a a negative nancy right right they're like "Uh, i don't want to be around here yeah (laughs) even if you have a great game Right. They'll veto it. So anyway, absolutely. that's an important chapter. I think I'm very proud of myself, you know, for that one. I,
0: yeah. I <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the yeah. next section, so the first section was understanding frustration. Mm. And then so this section is managing frustration. So after we've identified and, and sort of understand uh, what's happening, then we need to manage it. Um, and you say, taming anger and frustration can be challenging, especially if you and your athlete believe competitive tennis should be fair. <laughs> tennis often isn't fair. When faced with an opponent who makes bad calls, is your athlete able to manage the situation with maturity? does the one point drama spiral into 20 minutes of unfocused frustration? So again, bringing this point up, um, it's the natural thing. If you, we identify it, we're starting to understand it. Now, what do we do? What do we do with it? How do we manage yeah. it? Um, yeah. You, uh, you have an analogy here about a, a poisonous snake that oh. bites you. <laughs> and did you die from the bite? Uh, you know, the answer is no, The venom uh, basically is what kills you. But so so let's talk about this idea of taming anger and frustration. That's how you start this section. Mm. And that idea of thinking that competitive tennis should be fair and it is often not fair. Um, and that could be like you were just saying before, you know, what time of day? you know you don't like playing at eight in the morning or yes. you know, the, the all the different things that you know, the wind is blowing which way, but
1: <laughs> um, oh, yeah,
0: so let, let's talk a little bit about about how how to face that opponent. So again, it's it goes back to to a theme of handling adversity. And and it goes right into, you know, do you just get frustrated right away? And what do you do with that frustration? Um, So talk a little bit. Tell us about uh, how managing frustration, you say it starts with monitoring it. Makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important, too, for parents that have these conversations with their athletes. And one of the conversations is, what is... Really in your control, and we know that the outcome of matches is not a hundred percent in your control. Right. They can influ- like influence influence the, the outcome, but mm-hmm. you don't you know you don't have control over who you play in the draw. You might have to play the number one seed first round, right? And that makes a difference. You could get you can play three toads in a row, now you're in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And there's luck too. There's positive luck that goes into this um but I think a big key though that we have to kind of educate the parents to talk to their kids about is that we all have mental habits mm-hmm. not just stroke motor program habits mm-hmm. like a bad toss on their serve or something but we all have mental habits and we have to figure out what are our negative mental habits and then we have to give ourselves permission that it's going to take a little bit of time to you know, deconstruct those mental habits. So one of them might be the nickname with sports psychology is ants. So automatic negative thoughts. Okay. Start with spotting how many times your athlete has has ants in a pra- in a match, a practice match or a real match. So parents can chart this. They can just use their phone and and take notes. Okay, my kid had negative Automatic responses fourteen times in this match, and now we have to start to obviously take that number and reduce it, right? You know.
0: Yep. You you say in the solution uh, part of this section, when temper flares, ask your child to replace focusing on the problem with focusing on the solution. And so, like you said, that that training the mind and and people will respond to it differently depending on their their personality profile, um, and tendencies in, in the reactions, like you said, what is that automatic response? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like a default setting, like what, what is, what is your default setting? Um, can we, we, how do we reboot it? (laughs) Yeah. Right on. (laughs) Um, so this, this takes us into the next section, which is desensitizing desensitizing, sorry that was a tough one to say desensitizing to hardships oh yes and again this in the bigger picture of life skills is is so huge um being sensitive is important in some ways but we also don't need sensitivity to then become a hindrance. Yeah, um, and yeah. So that's, that's sort of, when I read this, the desensitizing to hardships, I was like, ooh, yeah, that's good. And you say, the ugly truth is that there is unfair scheduling, gamesmanship, jealousy, and pettiness in the junior tennis scene, and parents and players need to be desensitized to it. Um, that's That's big that's really big. <laughs> yes
1: it's it's a really different mindset that the top players have and look even as adults we're we're, we're wired to seek what's comfortable we want a comfortable home right a comfortable car all that stuff mm-hmm. top athletes they're they're not they're not seeking comfort they they seek discomfort mm-hmm. right because they know that that's where growth lives and that's part of this being desensitized to hardship is they're walking towards hardship instead of avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And everybody's different, right? So we have to kind of, the answers are customized to you guys. Everybody has their own versions of what's difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you say uh, developing thick skin in and around tournament competition is a life skill worth educating. So it, it, speaking to the parents that the developing thick skin in and around tournament competition is a life skill worth educating. Um, How might a parent go about instilling this in their child?
1: Well, great question. Um, I think one of the biggest keys is that we have to get our athletes to just walk into tournaments, understanding that They're not going to control everything. Mm -hmm. Things are not going to be perfect. They're Mm -hmm. just walking into that environment trying to be excellent, not perfect. Mm -hmm. That's big right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, Their role in tournaments is twofold. It's one to simply play at their peak performance level,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: no matter the outcome. Are they hitting their performance goals, preset performance goals with their coaches, Right. It could be as simple as, right. Okay. I want you to see if you can get 50% first serves and right. Or when you get short balls, use your approach shots, things like that. Those are performance goals, right?
0: Yep.
1: Uh, it's meaningful. Um, and we want our, we want our kids to have this the wonderful trait of, you know, stronger frustration tolerance. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going to handle the world later anyway. So exactly. handling it and, 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 Parents, from your side, one of the keys is don't be a helicopter parent and solve all their problems for them. Right. I was at a tournament last week, and I think I asked the the, the 14-year-old girl, I asked this young lady, probably 10 questions. The dad interrupted and answered all 10. And wow. you know how that is. And she's <laughs> he, He's teaching her that she's not capable of solving her own problems. Right. And that's probably not. A great way to desensitize her to hardships, right?
0: Right, right. Um, in in the solution section, uh, you say if a bit of maturity and confidence is what your athlete needs, enroll them in other competitive sports. Mm. When I read that, it it really stopped me for a minute, and and I was like, I am so glad that you said this. Uh. <laughs> it's so true, and it's I don't think it's um emphasized enough uh you know we could talk for ages about early specialization and you know mm. uh, it can lead to the, the overuse injuries and burnout and all those things but i love that you say you know enroll them in it, it, do another sport get that yeah. exposure i mean it's great you say playing different sports exposes and helps develop the mental toughness, athleticism, life skills, and character traits junior tennis players need. And that's just, it's so true. <laughs> I, I really
1: do. But I also, look, I, I believe in that. and But I also believe in the idea that sports exposes poor life skills, which then, right, right then you improve. So it's not like they just... It's not a miracle cure that it's going to develop all your life skills, and I want to make sure parents don't have that false sense of security that just because they put their kid on a soccer team that they're going to have great life skills.
0: Right,
1: right, right. I mean, this is part of. A, it's very difficult to have a, you know, a, a world class champion in anything, and, and it takes a lot of work from the parents. So, parents, it's meaningful that you understand that. If you want your child not to be a hobbyist in tennis, you cannot be a hobbyist as a tennis parent. It's almost like a full-time job Mm -hmm. for your kid to be a nationally ranked player because you are, man, you are in the car early mornings, late at night, every weekend. It's not easy to be a parent of a high-performance player. No, it's Uh, not. It'd be in your best interest to find other parents, though, that have done it before yes right like role models you want to get mentors yep because they can help so much
0: definitely definitely it's it's a hard journey um Mm -hmm. and it's even harder if you try to go it alone (laughs) um we all need a little help (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um you say athletes need exposure not avoidance when it comes to finding solutions under fire sports bring hardship before the trophies, being a multi-sport athlete desensitizes your athlete to the dramas found in competition. That is such a great sentence, you know, being a multi-sport athlete desensitizes your athlete to the dramas found in competition. Yeah, cause there's gonna be drama. <laughs> yeah.
1: hey, do you remember when we did, um, there was a Davis Cup there, I think in Birmingham a mm-hmm. couple years ago mm-hmm. and behind the tennis bleachers there was a basketball hoop and but well, I was back there one morning and the tennis players were shooting hoops so this is like Stevie Johnson and Query yep. and yep. and mm-hmm. it was a fun event I appreciate it that you invited <laughs> me down because two ah. of those players were kids I taught so i Uh, taught and johnson so it was a fun davis Cup for me but anyway Mm -hmm. so back behind this the bleachers these guys were all shooting three three pointers and dunking and (laughs) they're amazing athletes and and not just tennis
0: right right i remember um gosh this is in the 90s something but um it was during the us open and uh they had agassi um this is when the mets field shea stadium was still right there you know it's no longer there but but uh so we go over and um they're playing like home run derby And Agassiz is just like I mean, the I don't remember who was pitching or whatever, but Agassiz was just ripping, you know, over in the baseball field, over in the Shea Stadium, and it yeah. was just one of the coolest things. Um, which is interesting, as you know, because they're they're uh, closer to you. But uh, his son um, is a great baseball player. Yes. Does he play for USC? One of those? Yeah, guys? I think so. I think he does. Yeah, and so it just reminded me of of watching the guys in Agassi playing home run derby. It was like rain. There was <laughs> rain, so there was no tennis. So they were all playing playing baseball. <laughs> and Shay, <laughs> so they're yeah.
1: competitive people, aren't they?
0: <laughs> yes, yes, and and that also too. We talk about confidence, and so you can gain confidence when you're playing another sport. And again, giving yourself notice that I am an athlete, I can do these things, you know, appreciation of, of whatever innate ability there is. And then, and then how you know how to, to use your athleticism. So I think it can be so important to the psyche, um, to To be able to do that, shoot some hoops, go, you know, swing the bat, <laughs> have some. Yeah,
1: yeah you're right. <laughs> that's that leads to the idea that tennis parents can really, really help develop general athleticism. Yes, right, because that's that's lacking big time in yes. in tennis now. Absolutely. Most kids get so locked into tennis academies and clinics, and yep. they're not really great athletes. That's right and so developing athleticism
0: having that foundation is is incredibly I mean health-wise like we mentioned earlier uh you know doing one thing it's like going back to baseball I think they have a limit um on how many pitches a a youth a youth player can yes like that they have like a number of pitches rule or something and yeah it's it's you, because you do need to develop as a full athlete, not just a tennis-specific athlete, which is also important. But yep. you can't have one without the other and be successful. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, a, a really, really important point there. Um, to bring in the playing other sports, getting that other experience. Um, and it only makes things better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next section is, did you win? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you, you, say parents need to replace an outcome obsession with improvement questions like, did you perform well today? Yeah. I mean, if a kid's getting in the car after practice and you, whether it was practice sets or practice matches, like you say in the book, you know, did you win? Let's replace that question with, you know, how'd you play? (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be hard. It just takes a little bit of, again, training, thinking as the parent and the child. So, so, yes, hand in hand.
1: (laughs) You know, um, to me, a really, a really smart question for parents is to say, teach me what you learned today.
0: Ah, Mm -hmm.
1: because you know that. This is like a two thousand year old quote, but you know that you know, what you teach, you you learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, having the the junior tennis player hop in the car and, and before they can put their headphones on or start doing their text, texting and all, they have to teach you three things they learned today, and that helps them to digest it and remember it, right? Mm-hmm. So. Teach me what you learned. That's way better, I think. Than did you win?
0: Right, right, right. And and the open endedness of the question, and so the yep. player has to actually think a little bit and <laughs> respond. Yes. You and know, it's the
1: it's communication not, skills.
0: that's yeah, massive. It's not like I'm, I'm on the phone and yeah, it was fine. I wanted so and so, then I played so and so. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like they have to, you know, actually think a little bit to answer that question. Um, which is also good, good training for uh, that mental part. Um, you know, raising awareness. Um, yeah. And then getting those default settings. <laughs> So so you say exchange the did you win question with performance performance based inquiries. Um, you say practice sets are learning tools to strengthen your athletes match play skills and identify those skills that are not ready for prime time. Um, you know that that's that's a great sentence and and I love the not ready for prime time uh throwback to uh snl uh, you know saturday yes 50, <laughs> when that's they what were, i was thinking <laughs> yeah oh, that's so great yeah um, uh, <laughs> um you know in the uh, opening credits uh you know they, they say that the not ready for time you know prime time player <laughs> that's hilarious so, so i loved that little clip there <laughs> <laughs> so last section of this chapter um kind of wrapping it up again i've really liked this chapter and we've been um kind of leading up to this uh and so here we go right at it um the last section is perfectionism um you say reach research shows that perfectionism is a precursor of anxiety stress and even depression um well (laughs) a hundred percent a hundred percent um yeah so consistent perfectionism and competition brings a circle of performance anxieties as the athlete judges every performance aspect that's 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 a hard to kind of wrap your head around, but, but you say, you know, seasons change, night follows day. So I love how you kind of bring it back in. It's a huge thing. And then we go, okay, what are we going to yeah. do? Um, <laughs> you say, you go on to say if you and your athlete are going to chase a sport to the top, those dreams come with breathtaking highs and devastating lows. Um, it's so true. It's mm. so true. So getting into that psyche of having to be perfect, you want everything to be perfect. Um, and we see that on and off the tennis court, of, of course. Yeah.
1: Um, Parents, you see it in just one day at a tournament. You have the the highs and lows, right?
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's that. Uh, you know, after the initial sending out of all the the first rounds you know there's you're gonna see a lot of tears in a couple hours
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and so that this uh in the book is as the solution here you say ask your athlete to google the definition of perfectionism as your athlete researches perfectionism they will soon uncover its toxic negative energy and so that goes back to what you were saying about the the ants um uh, yeah. And to again identify that in, in yourself or your, your child, um that's a pretty big deal, you know, to understand. It is.
1: It is for sure. It takes a lot of communication. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's important though with with parents and, and good athletes that we talked about your goal is not so much winning every match on the weekend. But your goal is to be a lot better than you were a week ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've heard it. We've all heard it, right? The idea <laughs> that your job is to, you know, defeat the opponent you were last week. Mm-hmm. And that's what the parents should be talking about. Um, understanding a thing too that it's absolutely essential that they just try to they try to play excellent, not perfect. Right. They allow the little wiggle room, especially if you're a disruptor, like grinders, they they kind of, they don't care about hitting winners. They just want to make the other person self-destruct. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're more of a disruptive tennis player, you are going to make errors. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you only need to win, you know, if you're winning two out of three points, 66%, that's going to win every match you play.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, when, when you look at the stats of, um, you know, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Murray, you know, their winning percentages are, you know, 55% is high. Yeah. As far as, you know, the percentage winning, I mean, all you have to do is (laughs) 51% or better. Um, And most of their matches are in that, Early to mid 50 percentage frame, um, which I don't think people realize, you know, we can it's fun to watch highlight reels. It's fun to see all the great things, like those montages of this point, yeah. this point, and this point, you know, and and it's kind of like be careful when your <laughs> youth player, when your young athlete is watching those, going, there were a whole lot of points in between those highlights. <laughs> the yes. there were double faults or missed returns or you know, you, you, a blown volley that you should have put away. Yeah, but but you know, it, it's not just the highlight reel. <laughs> yeah, they don't do Bi- a it, reel. <laughs> Yeah, they not
1: a big role. You know, what we were seeing here too is um <laughs> this. You know, obviously, the the new great phenom, um, Alcaraz in the mm-hmm. in the clay court a couple of weeks ago, was absolutely phenomenal at drop shots. Well, now all the kids in Southern California have drop shot itis. <laughs> and so you know, we're on hard courts and they're all drop shotting from behind the baseline. I don't know. <laughs> and, well, Alcarez does it. So yeah, they do copy, they do copy what they see on TV. And but uh that's good and bad. But oh <laughs> uh, hey, one thing I wanted to mention and, and for the parents understand though too, that a lot of these solutions come in the forms of practice matches which are dress rehearsals right yes Uh, i was i was talking to an an actress because here in la we have you know a lot of them and she told me that when she used to do broadway Mm -hmm. she would have to do dress rehearsals of the exact performance and and her scripts and stuff Mm -hmm. she would do dress rehearsals um and i think she said eight hours a day six days a week for eight weeks straight before they run the real show, and and that's a lot of hours that's of rehearsals.
0: That is a lot of hours. Gosh.
1: <laughs> but a lot of junior players totally avoid practice matches like the plague, and then they wonder why they mismanage their tournament competition. And so, parents try to replace some of the typical hours of just grooving and rallying back and forth with your child's practice matches. And you'll see great results. I think from
0: that. Absolutely. It's such, such an important point. Um, so it goes right along with what you just said. You say develop your athlete to expect excellence and leave perfect alone. Um, yeah, there's a mantra out there that uh you know it's progress, not perfection. <laughs> and, good
1: kid. Uh, I like it. Yeah,
0: that's a good one to um to kind of keep in mind, you know, progress not yeah. perfection. Um you say, teach your children that two steps forward and one step back is a common progression for a competitive athlete. Ask your athletes to accept the cycles of progress and leave the performance anxieties to their opponents. Um, That's great. I like that. I'm glad I said that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, well
1: said. There, well said. Um, I think know. that's important, though, too, for parents to understand the two steps forward, one step back. Your your child does not have a fully formed brain yet. Right. They're going to act like a kid once in a while. Mm-hmm. They're going to forget the last two thousand dollars worth of lessons that you paid for, and they're going to act like a total nut, and they're going to blow easy matches and typically it's right after they they beat a top seed the very next round because they're already satisfied that you'll see they'll kind of fall apart a little bit but just expect right. that two steps forward one step back and you'll be okay with it
0: yep and it, it's an idea we've touched on before that you know it, it, the idea of the growth mm-hmm. cycle and where the um comfort zone is and then that that fear. You know when you get right outside the comfort zone but then yeah addressing those things then comes mastery and then management um i think that was the last chapter uh, but i loved that it was uh the bullseye like an archer's bullseye oh yeah the outer this range. is good stuff i'm gonna yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna buy this book this is a great book right here <laughs>
1: <laughs> no parents i'm kidding you don't you know. <laughs>
0: um and and this last part uh it reminded me and um i've mentioned it before because it's one of my favorite uh poems but um rudyard kipling's if um and so over the the entrance and and wimbledon um is a quote from that poem it's actually a pretty long poem but it's fantastic uh but it says if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those Mm -hmm. imposters just the same um And I love the, you know, triumph and disaster. Treat those two imposters just the same. Um, Because week to week, day to day, you know, yeah. Once you get that triumph, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be letdowns and failures. And, you know, isn't that funny? And if you have a disastrous match, I've played a disastrous match and, you know, you just, (laughs) <laughs> you talk about frustration tolerance,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: you know, that, that also means you're not, that doesn't mean that you're going to be t- having disaster matches all the time. Again, it's, it's uh, so anyway, I just uh, think it's pretty cool that, that, you cro- know, to me that um,
1: I know that's chapter nine, but it brings me a little bit back to the first chapter about uh, winning doesn't really bring happiness. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But so I don't even remember what what the quote was that I had in that beginning. But I I think it's important for parents to understand that as soon as your athlete goes up a level, whether it's like a UTR number, Mm -hmm. now they have a whole new set of challenges. Mm -hmm. Now the drama just recycles and starts all over again. So Mm -hmm. don't think you're going to be happy when, oh, when I get to be a 10 UTR, I'll be happy right that doesn't happen right no no it's a myth
0: it is a myth then
1: you're searching to be a 12
0: (laughs) yeah and and your quote is uh winning isn't the way to happiness happiness is the way to winning that was it (laughs) that that's that's chapter one nurturing happiness um which was you know the beautiful place to start the book in this journey um so yeah, chapter nine. That's okay. Thank you, thank you. This is um, really, really great stuff. Um, again, uh, for those of you who just join us, we are going through uh, the psychology of tennis parenting by our dear friend Frank Giampallo. Um Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for your time. Um, we look forward to chapter ten.
1: <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And parents, keep on, keep on reaching out. We uh, we appreciate it.
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. All right. We'll see y'all next time.